forward, next Saturday uh, will be the memorial service for our dear brother Sheldon Hunt at 2 o'clock in the afternoon, so we invite you to come and be a part of that. We could have a maximum number of people of 76. Uh, we're going to do the mask and social distancing and, and whatnot. So uh, if there's more than that, um, we're going to just uh, have to turn people away. We will be putting it on live stream as well, so you may want to make that. Uh, if you would, take your Bible and uh, turn with me to Luke chapter 24. Uh, we're going to finish up this sermon that is now in the third part. Uh, my wife said hallelujah. That's always, <laughs> I guess that's a good thing. I don't know. I, I, I'm being positive. But um, Luke 24, and I'm going to start reading at verse number 44. And uh, Jesus has risen from the dead. Uh, he's been appearing to people for a while. Uh, he, he appeared for 40 days before he ascended. And this is right before he ascended. And so we're picking up the story, uh, Luke 24, and verse number 44. Then he said to them, These are the words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms concerning me. And he opened up their understanding that they might comprehend the scriptures. And he said to them, Thus it is written, and thus it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead on the third day. And that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name to all the nations beginning at Jerusalem. And you are witnesses of these things. Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. Father, thank you for your great word. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, for the freedom in this country to, to read it, to preach it, to proclaim it, to live it. We pray, Lord, that you would utilize this time right now, that you would speak to your people, those in the sanctuary, those watching on live stream or maybe later in the week through YouTube. Lord, use this message to touch hearts and to give yourself glory and honor, but to encourage your church to catch your heart for the lost, for missions, for souls. So, Lord, I pray that you anoint me to preach the message the way you want. And, Lord, let it be received and heard and applied the way you want as well. And, Lord, it be glorified through the whole thing. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Well, I want to say a special thank you again to Esther and the Missions Committee uh, for putting together a wonderful uh, Friday night mission celebration uh, this past Friday. If you were here, you know it was a glorious time. It was probably one of the best times we ever had with an admissions banquet. And we do it every year. We've been doing it for probably 13 or 14 years, maybe beyond that before I got here. But there was something special about Friday night. There really was. Uh, the speakers were excellent. Uh, Thierry Mugabe and Bianca Kule and Brenna Kate Simmons. What tremendous life stories they had to share. And it's no wonder God is using them to go to all these different places to proclaim the Word of God. We were blessed. And uh, there is some information at the tables there, back there. There's some goodie bags in the front foyer that are left over from Friday. So on your way out later, you can take a goodie bag if you'd like. And there's some missions information in there as well. Uh, just a reminder, on Sunday, <clears throat> November the 29th, will be our time to distribute the Faith Promise Pledge Cards. Uh, we'll be asking you to fill out a card 
Uh, so be praying about it. What you think the Lord is going to bless you with above your tithe to give towards missions in the year 2021. So we want to set up a budget for next year to hopefully uh, support uh, all of the missionaries that we have now, plus maybe a few more. So that'll be on the last Sunday of the month. Next Sunday, uh, our dear brother Bill Larios will be sharing the word. We always like to hear a a, a lay leader uh, share his word regarding missions during this time of year. So that will be uh, next uh, Sunday. So uh, my, my, uh, my mission today... Speaking of missions, my mission is to present to you the, the, the 22 foreign missionaries that we support and to finally get to the four points I've been sitting on for the past three weeks now. But before we do that, I have something else I want to say. So, but I, I finished at the early service, so I have to finish today. So everyone take a deep breath. It's going to be okay. We're going to make it. We're going to land this ship sooner or later. We're going to settle down. But no, on, on Friday night... Um, the theme in the Assemblies of God for missions this year, every year they have a theme. This year the, the word is compelled. And the scripture reference is Isaiah 61. And uh, as I was reading that on Friday night, I was reminded that that verse is repeated in Luke chapter 4. During the service, I also shared a scripture. And that scripture from the Old Testament is also repeated in the New Testament. It made me start thinking about how, how precious certain scriptures are that are in both the old and the new. You know, there's some that are in both old and new. They're quoted, they're presented in the old, but quoted in the new. And I started thinking about missionary scriptures. So before we get into introducing who the missionaries are, I want to just talk for a few minutes about some missionary scriptures. Uh, we won't turn to these right now, but a great missionary scripture is found in Philippians chapter 2. And it explains who the greatest missionary who ever lived was. And that is Jesus. And and Paul says in in Philippians 2, he says, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. So he's saying, okay, I'm going to present to you Jesus, but as I present Jesus to you, I'm encouraging you to get your head into this. You be like him. You think like him. You do like him. You operate like him. It's very much along the lines of come out from among them and serve the Lord. Same type of principle. You know, step out of your comfort area. Step out of your culture even. Step out of your little world that you've been living in. And now you're walking in a new world. But let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, you know, did not consider it robbery to to, to be equal to God. Yet he left heaven and he came to earth and humbly came to earth, lived on earth as a man. And humbled himself to the point of death, even death on a cross. So let this mind be in you. Live a life of humility and and brokenness. Live live your life with, with this word on your mind. Others. Others. It's not all about you all the time. Jesus lived his life with others on his mind. And then it says later in that passage, Therefore God has highly exalted him and given him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee will bow of those in heaven, those on earth, and those under the earth, and every knee knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. So he's our, our great example of what a missionary is supposed to be like. When I started thinking about that Isaiah 61, if you take your Bible, turn with me to Luke chapter 4. Because in Luke chapter 4, Jesus quotes Isaiah 61, verses 1 and 2. And uh, here's the setting of Luke chapter 4, if you look at verse number 16. 
as I was preparing this sermon, by the way, let me just tell you something. I thought this is like an old-fashioned sermon. Because I'm asking you to turn to different scriptures and actually read them in your Bible. We've somehow gotten away from that. Oh, well, you could use your Bible app. That, that'll count. But a lot of times we, we don't go too far. We just, but, but today I'm going to give you several things to look at. But Luke chapter 4. Here's the setting. Jesus is in his hometown of Nazareth. How many of you know when you, when you try to live out your faith in your hometown, sometimes it doesn't go so well because everyone knows who you used to be. And they don't accept you for who you are. Right? Well, Jesus was dealing with that. But he's in his hometown of Nazareth. It was his, his uh, chance or his time to go to the synagogue. It was his turn to read the scriptures. So he gets up there. He starts script- flipping through the scriptures. And he picks out Isaiah 61. And he reads, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and recovery of sight to the blind, and set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Then he closed the book and gave it back to the person, and he sat down, and everybody's looking at him, and he goes, Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. And everybody went a little bonkers right there. (laughs) You know, as the story goes on, he started to teach them a little bit, but, but they got really mad at him. They, got, they were enraged at him. And it says, as, as the story goes, they followed him out, and they were going to push him off a cliff, but his time had not yet come, so they couldn't kill him yet. But they were enraged that Jesus said, this scripture is fulfilled in, my, in, the, in, my, in this hearing. In other words, he's the one. He ends it by saying in verse number 19, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. The acceptable year of the Lord is, Jesus is saying, now's the time of grace. This is the year. This is the time. I'm the Messiah. God the Father is sending grace. This is the message I'm preaching to the poor, the sick, the hurting, all that. And and now's the time. And people couldn't handle it at the time. But I, I always think of that as, okay, Jesus is the epitome of a missionary that came to a world that didn't even want him. But look at these words just one more time. I don't want to stay here too long, but I have to think about it. The poor, the brokenhearted, right? The captives, the blind, the oppressed. And most of us can relate to to one or more of those types of people because we're like that ourselves. We were like that and we're still dealing with stuff, but he came to deliver us, to set us free. To, to, to break, break us free from the chains that would hold us back. This is the acceptable time. So, so Jesus is saying, not, I'm, this is it. This is it. So then, okay, so Friday night, I, I, went, I turned to Isaiah 52, and I read verse number 7, which says, uh, How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of those who bring uh, good news and glad tidings and so forth. Then I thought, well, that, that scripture... Uh, has what I would call uh, follows the law of double reference. Except, it, it, uh, let me explain that. The law of double reference is when there's an Old Testament prophecy, it applies to the situation at hand as well as to a future time. Except that scripture in Isaiah 52 7, I, I, I never heard this before. This is my word. I think it's a quadruple uh, reference. <laughs> I think there's four ways you could apply that scripture. The most immediate way was um, Isaiah was, was talking to Israel that uh, King Cyrus is going to come to deliver you from Babylonian captivity. That was the, the first reference to that. 
But certainly you could apply that scripture to John the Baptist, who who came preparing the way of the Lord. Repent, get ready, baptizing people, get ready. So certainly he, he would fall into that. His feet are blessed. You know, he's proclaiming good news. Someone's coming. And certainly Jesus could, could, could say that too. Because, you know, t- today, you know, th- this is fulfilled in your hearing. I'm proclaiming how beautiful are the feet of those. But when I read about it in Romans chapter 10 and verse 15, I see a different application of this. And since Paul quoted it, I think this is the application we need to be looking at. So in Romans 10... I'm going to start at verse 13. But in in verse 15, Paul says, How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace and who bring glad tidings. And so when you look at the context of that, look at verse number 13. Everyone knows verse number 13. Romans 10, 13. Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. But verse 14 says, just blows everybody's mind. How can they call upon them whom they have not believed? How can they believe on whom they have not heard? How can they hear without a preacher? That's why I, I feel so strongly about the, the preaching of the Word of God. I mean, I love teaching, but there's something about the dynamic of someone standing up and proclaiming the things of God. God uses preaching to convict sinners. And so I would encourage you, not only listen to me, but listen to good preaching as much as you can. It's important. But uh, verse number, number 15, and how can they preach unless they are sent? And then he says, Isaiah 52, verse 7, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. So in this case, this uh, Isaiah 52 is in reference to the church being sent out to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. So how beautiful are the feet of those who proclaim the gospel. And the gospel of peace, in case you're not familiar with the phrase, the gospel of peace. The gospel of peace means that sinful, wicked men, mankind, humanity, can find peace with the holy, reverend God through the blood of Jesus Christ. That's the gospel of peace. Now, will we always have peace on earth as we do what we have to do? Maybe not. There will be trials and tribulations, but we will have peace with God. And that's what that is referring to. So when we put that together with, go back to Luke 24, where we started, in verse number 46, Luke 24, 46, Jesus said, all this had to be done. All this was necessary. The Son of Man had to come and suffer and die and rise on the third day. It had to happen. And he did it. He did what he had to do. But now in verse number 47, it says, it says that repentance and remission of sin should be preached in his name through all the nations beginning in Jerusalem. So I put it this way. He did what he had to do in verse 46. But in verse 47, we must do what he says we should do. Because when Jesus says we should do it, we actually must do it. I mean, we don't have to do it, but we should do it, and I think we must do it. So I, I, that's the backdrop of where we're going with this message today. And um, the last couple of years, I've taken time on, on one Sunday in November to introduce uh, everyone uh, to the missionaries that we currently support. And uh, for some of you, it may be a little repetitious if you know these people, but there are a lot of people here that don't know who I'm going to talk about. 
So I'm just going to ask you to be patient as we go through the list. I want you to think about this. These people, now did everyone have a handout, by the way? The piece of paper? You have that, it'll it'll be on the, it's there as well. If you need a handout, raise your hand, Bill will pass it out, right here in the front. But I want you to think, um, these are people that that have left the USA. All right? Now you may think, that's not a big deal. Well, think about it. They gave, up, they gave up things, like their families. They can't, they can't celebrate their mom or dad's birthday because they won't be here. If one of their brothers or sisters has a baby, they won't be here to celebrate because they're on the mission field. Uh, if, they, if there's something going on here and there's a lot of excitement, uh, they won't be around to celebrate that. You know, uh, and, and This sounds funny, but I don't mean it to sound funny, but... They're giving up things like McDonald's and like, like their favorite place to go to. Like a lot of us have a coffee shop or somewhere we go to. That's our habit. It's our comfort zone. You know, we do it. We, that's what we do. Well, they're giving all that up. And they're going off to a mission field. I think that's very commendable. But they've taken these scriptures and said, okay, Lord, here I am. Send me. I'm ready to pack it up and go. Much to the heartache of family members that are left behind. Because they don't want to see them go. I mean, they're not gone forever and ever. They're probably gone for two or three years at a clip. And come back for a year and then go back for five or something like that. But it's a different lifestyle. So I, wanted, I just want to take a minute. And I hope you could bear with me uh, as we do this. And I hope it will be interesting and helpful for you. Because I want you to know where your money goes. To be honest and frank with you. I mean, we're, we're talking about $20,000 a year being poured into these different people. This is where your money goes when you give to missions. Okay, the first person on, on your list is Kristen Barlow. Uh, Kristen is from New Hampshire. She uh, attends here when she can, but she's involved with child care ministries. It's not an Assembly of God ministry. Uh, it's, a different, it's an independent ministry. But they go to Uganda and various other places in Africa where they minister to children that have been hurt because of war. Um, so Kristen is a director of the program. Uh, she has a burden for children, and she just has packed up, and she has left her family to go over there. When I say family, I don't mean her husband. I mean her mother and father and siblings. She's not married. And she went over there to do the work. Uh, Sarah Blackstone uh, is a... Is of, of um, Assembly of God missionaries to Japan. Uh, she's a veteran ministry, uh, a missionary. She's spoken here before. Um, if I could have one word for Sarah, the word would be faithful. Because in America, you know, if someone starts a church somewhere, if it's not happening in a couple of years, they usually pack it up and do something else or go somewhere else. It's rare for someone to keep a church really small for an extended period of time. But in Japan... Uh, there's very few Christians there. And she's been there for, say, 25 or 30 years, I think in Kobe, Kobe, uh, Japan. And the return of her sowing seeds has been very small. But she's faithfully sowing seeds, one by one. After 30 years, I don't know how many people she has in her group, not many. But she's faithful to keep doing what God called her to do. I commend her for doing that. Max and Lauren uh, Brockmeyer uh, are graduates of North Point Bible College. Uh, Max was here a few years ago. He shared his testimony. Max was, was born in Russia. 
His parents were alcoholic, severe alcoholic uh, people. And when he was born, he was born with deformities because of their alcohol problem. He has a problem with his feet. And so he was adopted by a, a family from the U.S. They picked him up, brought him back to the States. He was raised in a Christian family, and he gave his heart to the Lord. And at, after high school, he decided to go to Bible college. I think that's where he met his wife, who is from Worcester. And uh, they, are, um, they are now involved with Convoy of Hope in Spain. Uh, they minister to people that are affected by disaster, tragedies, inner city problems, uh, inner city problems, lack of food, lack of clothing, and so forth. And uh, he's doing a great, a great work for the Lord. But what a, what a story he has that God is using him to minister God's love to a, a broken people over there. Uh, Michael and Polly Brown minister in Bolivia. They used to be, I believe, in Guatemala. Uh, they have two small children. They're probably, uh, they are probably in their early 30s, mid-30s. But they packed up their kids and everything, said goodbye to their families in Massachusetts and New Jersey. And they're out on the mission field, establishing churches, uh, raising up leaders, ministering to people the best they can. They're really doing a dynamic work. Uh, Dan and Carol Butera. Uh, Dan and Carol used to minister in Rhode Island, I think in uh, Warwick, Rhode Island. And they had a very successful pastorate there for many years, probably 20 years. And somewhere around mid-40s or 50s, uh, he, he felt the Lord calling them to leave it, to sell everything, sell his home, leave the church, and get, a, get into the mission field. And that's exactly what he did. They are now in Indonesia. They've been there for probably six or seven years, maybe. Um, and they, uh, they preach, they teach, they train leaders. Uh, she is involved with medical missions. She has a medical background. So they're using their gifts over in Indonesia. Um, Paul and Lana Duda are veteran Assembly of God missionaries to Latin America. They're directors in the Latin America region. They oversee training, discipleship, church planting. They are originally from New England. Uh, Mark and Kim Gardner. Uh, Mark was here several years ago. If you ever met this brother, you, you would leave laughing. I think he's got the gift of joy. I do. He's a funny guy. He could be a comedian if he's not a missionary. But his, 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 uh, his ministry is working with children. He's got a little puppet, marionette type of thing that he uses. And he's funny and he, he does things uh, in such a way that kids could relate. His wife is with them. They were in Angola for many years. And now they're on the Fiji Islands. Assembly of God missionaries. Linda Gove is from northern New Hampshire. Uh, she goes to Kenya in East Africa. She goes, and there's some beautiful places in Kenya, but she goes to the most desperate places in Kenya, outside of the cities or in the inner, inner cities where there's, where there's such great poverty and need. She preaches, she teaches, she raises up leaders. She's involved with humanitarian aid. She does a wonderful work for the Lord in Kenya. Uh, Emily Griswold. Emily, uh, Emily was brought up in Rhode Island, and her parents were involved in a, a kids' ministry in inner city uh, Providence. So she was raised around ministry. And she, she now lives in Springfield, Missouri, but her ministry is in India, 
with a ministry called Project Rescue. She goes back and forth, and she oversees the ministry in India called Project Rescue, which is a ministry to women that have been caught up in sex trafficking, uh, human trafficking. Tremendous needs represented there, not only physical and psychological and spiritual, just materially every which way. There are so many needs. And she's probably been there for at least 10 years uh, doing this ministry. Uh, Joseph and Alice Lear are in uh, Croatia. Uh, Croatia is uh, formerly the former Yugoslavia, which became independent in 1991. Um, they're teaching, raising up pastors and leaders, and teaching in their schools and so forth. Um, Croatia had a major earthquake there in March of this year. Haven't heard about that from them, but I did hear about it on the news. Um, Jay and Jackie Luthro. Uh, I'm not going to mention where they are. You can see it on your paper because we're, we're on social media. It's a sensitive area, so I'm not going to say it. But he went, he went there. He's from the States. He went there uh, as a teacher and um, met his wife-to-be over there. Uh, they're undercover because they can't be outright in what they're doing, so they're undercover. Uh, so they're, they're ministering uh, in a different capacity, but underneath that, they're sharing the love of Christ. Uh, Judy Mensch, I found out this morning after the early service, um, is no longer in the Netherlands. Uh, she is right now living in, uh, I think, New York State, uh, getting ready to minister throughout Europe with another organization. Uh, but her ministry is with children. She ministers to kids. She was here last year at our missions banquet. She does a wonderful presentation. Uh, she was... Um, uh, in residence at North Point for the last year or two. She's a wonderful lady. Uh, she is from Queens, New York, and she was brought up Jewish. And now she's a Christian, and she's got the most fantastic personality and humor. I mean, coming from that background, she puts it all together for Jesus, and she makes a lasting impression when you meet her. Amen. Okay. Uh, Paul Miller. Uh, Paul Miller is from the Boston area. I love this story because uh, Paul and his wife were attending First Baptist down the street. And uh, a couple of years ago, he felt such a strong burden to go to the mission field. And this is how it is. Uh, a generation ago, uh, the Baptists would never come to the Pentecostal for help. But thank God that that's over. Now, we're glad to support a Baptist brother that's going to a place that never heard the gospel. We'll support him. My goodness. How could we not? But he has, has two, two or three small kids and, um, and he, a wife. They packed up everything. They left the area, and they're over in Nepal. It's a whole different world over there. Whole different world. Kind of like India. When you went to India, kind of like that. It's like very third world. It's, it's a very difficult place. And they, they let go of everything here to go over there. Um, okay, Scott and Diana Miller. Uh, Scott used to minister in Israel. Now he ministers in Jordan. He met his wife there in Jordan. She's Jordanian. They're teaching, training, conducting Bible studies, home groups, and so forth. Amman is the capital city of Jordan. You may think of that in the Bible as the, the um, Ammonites or the Ammonites. That's where they're from. It's a very biblical area. But uh, only 4% of the, of the country there are Christian. 95% are Muslim in Jordan. So he's in the middle of a, of a place that needs the gospel. Another brother here, uh, Zach Mobis, uh, is in another sensitive area. Uh, but he came to me. He was a North Point student. 
He came to see, he called me up one day. He said, Pastor Rick, I don't know you, but I heard about you and your church. I want to come talk to you about my call to the mission field. I said, yeah, great. I'd love to talk to you. And he came, and we sat right over there on a, a, a weekday afternoon. And this young man, I, I, I got teary-eyed this morning thinking about it. This young man, 21, 22 years old, he's pouring his heart out to me saying, I, I've got to go to this area, but I don't have the money to go. Will you help me to go? And, I, and when I tell you my heart was, was broken, my heart was bro- it still breaks for this guy. I'm thinking a young man, 21, 22 years old, soaking wet, doesn't know a whole lot about life yet, you know, but he knows one thing, he's got to go to that place to share the gospel. And I said, man, we will, we will do what we can to get you over there. We've been supporting him ever since. But I'm just saying, if God is moving on young people to go, or anybody, we, we need to do our best to send them. Uh, Pat and Michelle O'Loughlin, great story here. Uh, Michelle is from Georgia. Patrick is from Ireland. Well, Michelle was involved with a ministry called YWAM, Youth with a Mission, Y-W-A-M. They, they do skits, they do drama, they do singing and different things to promote the gospel. They share the gospel. They're evangelistic. They travel all over the country. They travel in other countries as well. So they were over in Ireland ministering. Well, they ministered at a place where Patrick was. Patrick accepts Christ under their ministry. He then decides... I want to join this group. So he joins YWAM, comes back to the States, travels with them for a number of years. In the meantime, he and Michelle fall in love with each other. And they're ministering together as a husband and wife. Then he decides to go to Bible college. Then he decides he's going to start pastoring a church in, the, in Massachusetts. So he pastored a church in Dudley, Massachusetts for many years, not far from Webster where we were before outside of Worcester. And uh, after 10, 12 years of pastoring there, raising a family, he felt the call to go back to Ireland as a missionary. So he set up the proper channels to do that. He got situated with Assembly of God uh, World Missions. And now he and Michelle are U.S. missionaries back to Ireland, where Patrick came from in the first place, not far from where he was raised. And it's a, it's a, it's a great missions area because... There's a lot of Catholicism and a lot of Protestantism, but very few born-again-isms. And so they're preaching the Word of God, and Ireland needs Jesus. So praise the Lord. Uh, Scott and Leah Shesher, uh, they do minister in Japan, but they minister at a, at a U.S. Uh, military base. So they're working with U.S. soldiers over there, uh, teaching, supporting them, and so forth. Uh, Craig and Lonnie Soderberg. Uh, Craig is from uh, the Linfield area, and uh, he was over in uh, Indonesia ministering with Wycliffe uh, Bible translators, and he met a young lady and fell in love with her, and they got married. Her name is Lanny, and they are now with Pioneer Bible translators. What they do is they go into these areas in Indonesia, other Asian, South Asian countries, and they learn their language, and they have many languages in these countries, so there may be a small people group, maybe a couple of thousand people speak this one language. So they, they learn the language and then translate, well, they did Ruth and Jonah into the language of several of those people groups. So they're, they're very involved and very, uh, very dedicated to their work. Uh, Chris and Cindy Stuckey. Uh, Chris is the dear brother from Linfield that had a very successful chiropractic business for many years. They owned a nice home. They, they were doing, they had the American dream. And he got saved and 
he went on a missions trip with Bill and Esther many years ago from another church down in Linfield, and he got the missions bug. He was so impressed by the Lord that he had to do something. He resigned his business, sold his home. He and his wife were on the same page. They sold everything, said goodbye to everybody, and they went to Sudan and, and uh, Kenya in Africa. That's where they started. And as the story goes, they were, they were asked to leave uh, Kenya because they violated some principle that they couldn't preach at a certain place, but, but they, they didn't know or they didn't care, but they were asked to leave. So now they're ministering at the uh, Camrose Islands off the coast of East Africa. Great story there. He, he spoke at one of our missions banquets. Uh, Ed and Christine Vergara are uh, vet, uh, veteran missionaries with the Assemblies of God. They started out in Uruguay, went to Spain. Now they minister in Mexico, where they're involved with uh, Global University. That, that's the correspondence program of the Assemblies of God uh, for Bible, Bible studies. And then we have uh, Zach Wabel and J- Jeff Zito, uh, both of these young men are from the Pittsburgh area. They came out to Massachusetts to go to North Point. Zach is now in Mozambique, and uh, Jeff is in, uh, is in Israel ministering. So those are our 22. Uh, I shared this this morning that we have several that are on the waiting list. If we support those 22, by the way, at $50 a month, it comes out to $19,800 a year. So I'll round it up to 20000 a year for those 22 people. Uh, I'm sorry, 33 people altogether with the home missionaries, home and foreign. If we add Rick and Julie Strumpfler, if we add Thierry, if we add the missionaries that were here, uh, Bianca and Brenna, if we add our brother in Manchester, Ray Brito, if we add Priscilla Hodgson's uh, niece, Dazelle Lewis, uh, we would have to add to that $4,200 a year, which we, would be a total of, I'll round it up to 25000 a year. When I finished the sermon this morning, another brother came to me at the end who was involved with Gideon International. He said, he said Pastor Rick, you have to catch the vision for the Gideons too. I said, oh, okay. And, and so here's another one. So that would be eight on, on our waiting list ready for us to support in some capacity. So I I just throw it out to you. I always say this every year. uh, We'll take the pledge cards. We'll do whatever we can do. uh, But we can pray for them. And we will pray for them. All right, so those are the missionaries that we support. I want to give you these four points really quick. I'm going to wrap up this sermon once and for all. Can I get an amen? Amen. Can I get an amen at home? (laughs) They said it here for you. Okay. So I'm going to give you four, four reasons. Go, send, really? Yes, we, we must go, and we must send, and we really must do it. Back in uh, Luke 24, I want to just kind of take that apart real quickly here. The first reason why we must go is because Jesus is Messiah. He is. There's no other way. He fulfilled everything from the law of Moses that pointed to Christ to the prophets that spoke of Christ, even the Psalms, the Messianic Psalms in particular. Psalm number two says, the father says to the son, I will give you the nations as an inheritance. Jesus is the Messiah and he needs to be heard all over the world. I love the way Thierry Mugabe ended his little talk on Friday night. Let me just make it quick. He said, and I think he said 1862, when the Emancipation Proclamation went out, the, the American slaves were set free. Great rejoicing in America. But the slaves in Texas never got word 
The, the news got there. Back in those days, it wasn't like today at all. And for two years, they were still slaves. They were free, but they didn't know they were free. And when they finally heard that they were free, they celebrated, now we call it Juneteenth. And so they celebrate that. And Terry was making the point that there are people all over the world that could be free if they could just hear the message that Jesus is the Messiah. And so, yeah, we have to go. We have to tell them Jesus is the only one, the only way. And if you look at verse number 46... Thus it was written, thus it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and die and raise from the dead on the third day. And yes, and so now it's, it's our turn to do what we have to do. We must preach and teach and show people repentance and remission of sin in the name of Jesus Christ, the Messiah. He's the only way. He's the only way. Number two is this. We understand What's going on here? Verse number 45, when Jesus said what he said, it says, He then opened up their understanding that they might comprehend the Scriptures. Well, this was all brand new to everybody. I mean, they were sitting under his ministry for three years, but they didn't get it all together until until right now. And so Jesus opened their understanding and gave them knowledge and comprehension. But see, now we have the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit has enlightened us. We understand the problem. The problem is the world is dying and going to hell. And the problem is the church has been commissioned to go and tell everybody. That is the situation. We understand that. There's no other plan. There's only one plan for salvation through Jesus Christ. There's only one plan for spreading the word that's through his church. There's no plan B. There's no other way. And we believers must do it. So scriptures like 2 Corinthians 6, 17, come out from among them. You can't be like everybody else. You've got to be different. Understand your position now. You're no longer like you used to be. You can't function the way you used to be. You can't, you can't think like you used to. You've got to come out from your family, come out from your culture, come out from your world that you were brought up in and be a witness for the Lord Jesus Christ. John 3, 3, you are born again. We're born again by the Holy Spirit. 2 Corinthians 5, 17, if anyone is in Christ, they are a, a new creation. So we understand that, that we're in the light. Once we were not a people, now we're the people of God. And we're walking in the light. And we're, we're commanded by the Lord to bring that light into the darkness. Number three is this, verse number 47. We, take, we accept the responsibility. Jesus said that, remission, that repentance and remission of sins should be preached. I don't know. I like the word must better. I don't want to correct Jesus. But when he says it should be preached, we interpret that as it has to be preached. If he's saying we should be doing this, we have to do it. I mean, we don't have to do it, but we should do it. And we better do it. And, and, and we're called to do it. Hallelujah. And we're following the Great Commission. Now, Luke 24 is the Great Commission, but most of us are more familiar with Matthew 28 and Mark 16. Go, teach, make disciples, baptize, go into all the world and preach the gospel. But in Luke 24, Jesus is a little bit more specific. Go tell them repentance, remission of God. It has to be preached in my name. And so if we don't do it, it won't get done. If we don't send people, 
they won't go. And here's another aspect to think about. We will stand before the Lord one day, not, not to be judged on our salvation. We're saved. We're good like that. We'll be judged for our works. It's called the Bema Seat Judgment of Christ. So when we stand before the Lord, he says, well, what did you do with what I gave you? What did you do with your faith? What did you do since you became a Christian? We will be held accountable for what we did or didn't do as Christian people. I want to I be able to say, Lord, I did a little bit here and there, but I sent people. I gave money. I gave, money, I gave my money, Lord, to send people to go. I want to be able to tell the Lord that. You know, we, we did what we could do. So we need to take responsibility for this. We are the church. We are the born-again, blood-bought church. And the last thing we see in verse number 49, that we, we now have the Holy Spirit. When Jesus said that in verse 49, he said to them, Wait until you receive the promise of my Father. Wait in Jerusalem. Tarry. Wait until you're endued with power from on high. And Jesus said in Acts chapter 1, he said, When the Holy Ghost comes upon you, you shall receive power to be my witnesses. And you know, a lot of times people don't understand what a Pentecostal person is. And we have this stereotype. You know the stereotype, hanging from the chandelier and singing for three hours or whatever and running around. Okay. I'll give you that. But that's not really a definition of a Pentecostal. A Pentecostal person is someone that believes in the full gospel message, that the Holy Ghost is available for us to have a power beyond our own abilities to do something extraordinary for the kingdom of God. It's hard to be a witness. You know, Acts 1.8, you'll receive power to be a witness. It's hard to be a witness with a cigarette hanging out of your mouth and a can of beer in your hand. It's hard to be a witness when you're addicted to whatever. It's hard to be addicted when you have all these issues and problems and you're not set free. But when the Holy Ghost comes upon you, He does a work deep inside to set us free. Now we're in the position to go for it like they were in Acts chapter 2. In Acts chapter 2, 39, Paul, uh, Peter says, This promise that you see, that you hear, you see this happening, 3,000 people got saved, this promise is for you and your children and all who come afterwards. So we don't have to wait for the Holy Spirit anymore. The Holy Spirit is here. Let's just call upon the Lord to fill us and empower us with the Holy Spirit. And remember, the Assemblies of God went from 300 people in 1914 to 67 million people over a 100-year period of time. And that, that's just one group. There's other groups that are doing the same thing. So I, I want to encourage you. Let's depend upon the Holy Spirit to go forward in our missions efforts. Listen, it includes things like Hillstock. It includes things like supporting Common Ground and Somebody Cares and New Brothers Fellows. All the local things. We'll be witnesses in our Jerusalem, our Judea, our Samaria, to the outermost part of the world. So we have the Holy Spirit. All right, so in summary, in conclusion, go, send, really? Absolutely, yes. Listen, the church has been doing this from the beginning of the church. So think of America. The church existed during the, during the American Revolution. There was, the church was here. During the Civil War, the church was here. During the Industrial Revolution, the church was here. During World War I, during the Great Depression, World War II, Vietnam, and all the other wars since then, the church has always been active going forward, being obedient to the call of God. So nothing will change this mandate. If we're waiting for the Lord to change his mind, that's not going to happen. The only thing that will change is when he comes back, 
when there won't be a need to evangelize anymore, it'll be done. So until that time, we're called to do it. Amen? So can we stand together? Let's say this verse together. Uh, Luke 24, verses 47 and 48. Repentance and remission of sins should be, pro- should be preached in his name to all the nations beginning at Jerusalem. And you are witnesses of these things. Let's say it again. Repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name to all the nations beginning in Jerusalem. And you are witnesses of these things. Hallelujah. Thus, Missions Month. Thus, in two weeks, our Faith Promise pledge cards. Thus, my phone keep ringing for missionaries saying, Pastor, can you help us? Who else are they going to call? They're not going to call, you know, and and they they won't call corporate America. They're going to call churches. They're going to call Christians that have the vision. So every head bowed for just a moment. Just want to just want to ask you some questions. Because mission starts with us individually. We're the mission field. We are the mission field. And so I want to just raise this as if there's anybody here today that feels like you need God. You need this God that we're talking about sending all over the world, but you personally need God in your life. Anyone here need to accept Jesus or renew your commitment to the Lord today? Raise your hand if that's you. Okay, thank you over there. Praise the Lord. Anyone feel like, like I, I know I can't do anything on, in my own strength, but I'm going to trust God to give me wisdom and give me provisions that I can support the missions effort of this church? Anyone like that? I'm like that. Because in the natural, I don't have anything to give, but I'm going to trust God to give me something to give. All right? And then the third question is this. Does anyone have uh, a, a missions need in your own family? In other words, there's a son or a daughter or a parent or a brother or a sister or a cousin or a close friend that, that you would love to see come to know Jesus Christ. They are your mission field, right? Anyone? Anyone have that? Most of us do. Okay, let's pray. Dear Father, Lord, thank you for this, um, this time in your word today. I pray it was helpful for everyone. I pray, Lord, that you would receive glory from it. And I pray for those at home as well to really uh, have been able to focus and get into it. And for those that watch it later in the week, same thing. But Lord, for those that raised their hand before, Lord God, we all come before you today admitting we're sinners admitting we need you today to be our Savior. We may have received you before, but today, Lord, would you come, would you purify our heart one more time, fill us with your presence one more time, fill us with your Holy Spirit, Lord, one more time. Let us leave here encouraged that we met with the living God who still loves me and is still working in my life. Lord, for those that that are trusting you, to provide the finances and provide the, the time to pray, uh, to support our missionaries, Lord, those needs. Lord, when we take our pledge cards in a couple of weeks and we calculate that in December, get ready for January, there's 33 miss- missionaries we support. Lord, we want to continue supporting them. And if we can support others, Lord, we pray that we can and that we would. But Lord, let us always continue to pray for them all. Let us have that burden to pray for those that said yes to the mission field. And Lord, finally, for those of us that have uh, loved ones that are not walking with you, 
sons and daughters and relatives and neighbors and co-workers and friends. We just pray, Lord, for their salvation today. In the name of Jesus, touch them. Let the mission field begin right there. Let us be a missionary right there that could be wise and be, be sensitive and share the things of God in a, in a good way that they would understand and grasp the beauty of salvation. So, Lord, use us in our own local way to be a missionary for you. And, Lord, let our example, as we saw before, be Jesus. So, Lord, thank you for this time. We pray your blessing over next Sunday and the following Sunday as we continue to focus on missions. Let missions burn in our heart, every one of us. May we have a good day today. May we be healthy and strong. Uh, We pray for healing for those that are sick and for your touch to be upon us all. We give you all thanks and all praise today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Praise the Lord.